We're here, man. We figured this one out. Combination. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 221 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Also, man, if you have Instagram, take a screenshot of this episode, post it on your IG stories, tag me at 12combo. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. I'll repost it. Today's show, mental performance coach and author of Shift Your Mind, Brian Levinson, joins in a great conversation with Brian. We discuss basketball, mental performance, and more. You can find Brian on Twitter at Brian Levinson. That's B R I A N L E V E N S O N. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. Brian Levinson, mental performance coach and author of Shift Your Mind. Welcome to Combo's Court. Thanks for having me, Andrew. I'm curious, uh, you know, Combo's Court, thinking about combo guards and how they've changed over the years. I remember 10, 15 years ago, a combo guard was basically the guy that would come off the bench. Uh, I think about Jamal Crawford or um, you know, Flip Murray back in the day as a combo guard. Flip Murray, they were, yeah. yeah, they were often guys that, like they were great scorers, um, but they might not have been. They didn't fit a position you're saying. Yeah. They were great off the bench. Like I think of all these six men that, that won the six man award as being combo guards, Ben Gordon uh, comes to mind. And, uh, and it's interesting how the game's changed now because the point guards now need to score. And uh, so I'm, I'm curious, uh, were you a combo guard? Is that how you saw yourself or? or yeah, what? I was a combo guard. I was a combo guard. I played the one, two, and three, but that's really not why I have the nickname combo. I had that name since third grade. And why? I gave, what, what's, what's the nickname <laughs> about? Man, it's, it's so silly because it's from third grade. I'm not even going to get into it. It's a third grade nickname, which is stuck with me, but uh, it really had nothing to do with basketball. And I named myself. So in New York city, uh, it's interesting. You're not really supposed to name yourself, especially like with your basketball nicknames, you're supposed to like go to the parks and street tournaments and earn your nicknames. But I made that one for myself. You know, what could I do? What could I do? <laughs> so you rolled with it. It's interesting. Cause I was talking about Kobe Bryant naming, nicknaming himself, the black Mamba and giving himself that nickname. And it's interesting because that alter ego, I think really served him later in his career. And, um, so I think nicknames and alter egos are, are pretty fascinating. Um, so anyway, it's it's an interesting conversation that we could we could dive into if you wanted to. How's your elbow? As you could see, I did some preparation. <laughs> my elbow is <laughs> fine. Uh, I've been having issues with my elbow. Uh, I tore my ACL. Oh, I, I I've done that. I'm yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I've five and that. a half, six years ago, and ever since, man, everything's just a little out of whack, including my elbow. But it's, it's the kinetic chain, right? Everything's connected. Yeah. And yeah. I think I, I've just had some issues, but it's, it actually feels great now. I think I'm good. When did I talk about that? I don't even remember talking about it. I guess I talked about it. I think it was with Max McCoy. Okay. He, yeah. yeah. Basketball guy too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Definitely. It's, it's interesting. You know, you talk about uh, performance preparation and the mental side of uh, it's like when you're having a podcast, you could 
you could prepare all you want, but I mean, you have to go with the flow of the conversation, you know? It's, it's, an, uh, it, it's an interesting thing because I have a podcast as well. And I always like to be prepared when I have my guests on, but I have found that I don't want to say it's overprepared, but if you just stick to what you want to talk about and you miss an opportunity to dive into something oh, yeah. fresh or unique. And uh, I found that the best questions I ask are usually the ones that I did not prepare for just from listening. And then I ask a follow-up question. And so podcasting is a weird performance because um, it, it's, it's a little bit different. It's not just about execution, like a basketball game or a actor or a musician. Um, it's also got this piece and there are elements of the performance mind, but it's, it's, if you just stick with your preparation, you can, you can miss an opportunity. I, th I talk about being able to shift from perfectionism to adaptability in, in the book um, and analysis and instinct. But yeah, I found with the podcast that there are times where I'm less prepared and it actually goes well because I set my mind for performance to just listen deeply and, and stay in that space. And then it, it leads to some, some good results. Yeah, most definitely. It's interesting. You could have a list of what you want to say in order, but sometimes the conversation naturally segues itself and you might, you know, you might jump from here. The if you have a list at all, you might jump from here in the list. And then he starts talking about the last thing you wanted to talk about, you know, and then you got to find that flow and piece it all together. I mean, it really is an art form. I'm um, having but a conversation and interviewing. Now, as I'm thinking about it, it is not all that different than a sports performance. I think the NFL is a good example. The best head coaches are the ones who will get rid of their game plan at halftime if it's not working and say, Hey, we need to adapt. We need to adjust. And they have to believe that that adaptability needs to happen. And if you're around football coaches, they often talk about the ability to adjust in the middle of a game and you could prepare for everything. And then they throw a completely defense at different defense at you. You see it in basketball too, when teams go to a box and one or a junk defense or whatever it might be, another coach does not adapt or adjust. And yeah, um, they give them a new look. They yeah, we saw Eric Spolstra, I thought did a, did a great job of that in the playoffs. Like he was constantly showing new looks on defense. And I think Milwaukee really struggled with handling that and unsure as far as how to, how to deal with it. So, yeah, I think in some ways that's similar to what a great podcast host will do is the ability to pivot, adjust, be flexible, be nimble, and find a different path. Most definitely. Tell me the difference between the preparation mindset and the performance mindset. Yeah. So you, you reference, you yeah. yeah, you're referencing my book, which is called shift your mind and spent about four years working on it. And it's now available, which is kind of surreal experience for me, but the preparation mind is, is really all about uh, process, making ourselves better, improving, growing, developing, learning, for me, that's what preparation is about. It's getting yourself to be better and, and growth. Mm -hmm. Performance is about execution. And I think sometimes we forget that. Like at the end of the day, your job is to be able to execute and to execute under pressure, which pressure usually occurs when we're being evaluated in some way or being judged in some way. And so that's- Or that you think you're getting judged. Or you think you're being judged. <laughs> that's fair too, yeah. right? Like, and to your point, you can get into that performance mind and create it by creating stuff in practice to be judged and to be evaluated. And you can create that your own system for that. So I also talk about practice and I think sports really gets this right. A great practice. And I know you played at a really high level that a great practice involves both the opportunity to learn and grow and the opportunity to practice executing and executing when you're being evaluated in some way. So like for me, what the book is really about is the power of when, when to be in your preparation mind, 
when to be in your performance mind, and then when to practice both of these minds so that you can grow and you can learn how to execute. So that's essentially the thesis of the book. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I always thought that I wanted to do something or things that nobody else was doing to give me the edge. And I think when you do stuff like that, uh, it gives you that edge on the court because you know you're prepared. For sure. I, I think about uncomfortable in preparation, the willingness yeah. to, to experiment in preparation. And those are, those are big, right? Like you need to get uncomfortable if you want to grow. And, and that, that piece helps us grow. But on game day, when you're performing, I'm sure you had a routine that you got yourself into. You were conscious of what you were putting into your body. You would stretch. Maybe some people visualize, some people meditate, some people watch film, whatever you need to do to get yourself ready to perform. That's about getting yourself comfortable. It's no longer about growing and getting ourselves uncomfortable. And I think the mistake some people make is they never create a process of getting themselves comfortable in performance. And the same thing for experimenting. Experimenting is really great for preparation. We need to try, we need to test, uh, we need to get ourselves into that experiment experimentation mode so that when we're performing, we can trust our process and know that we've experimented, we tried new things. So we're never going to shoot a shot in a game that we haven't tried in, in practice and preparation. So um, yeah, I think, I think they go hand in hand. I think the issue is we don't talk about this idea of shifting. We just say, oh, you need to trust your process. It's like, wait a second. If you're just trusting the process all the time in, in preparation, you're never experimenting. You're never trying something new. You're just having this unquestioned belief and resolve that you've got it. And the same Is that thing, the Sixers issue? I, <laughs> I know some of the people at the Sixers now. Um, but look, I think the Sixers are interesting because this trust the process aspect, they, they were leveraging for everything. And it was always a trust the process, trust the process. It's interesting though, because they were actually experimenting they were trying something new by trusting the process. So it's yeah. not as cut and dry as what I talk about in my book. Um, so I, I wouldn't say it's apples to apples with, with the Sixers. Um, but I, I think that that combination of experimenting for a performer and trusting your process when you're performing. And for me, trusting process is knowing how I want to show up. Like knowing for this conversation, trusting your process might be listening, might be asking questions, might be um giving me a certain body language or a certain energy that's trusting your process and performance. And then going back afterwards and experimenting with new things that could help you show up better the next time we're, we're doing a podcast. So uh, tell me the nine mental shifts, man, Brian, tell me what, what are they? Yeah. And, and so what I do just to get clear on that. So I work as a mental performance coach and an executive coach. So I spend time with athletes and sports teams and help them cultivate their mindset for performance. And then I work with a lot of leaders in the corporate world and help them figure out how they can set their culture, what sort of strategy they're looking at, how they can communicate, develop their emotional intelligence, all that good stuff. And actually in the sports world, I've started working with more and more sports coaches and teams uh, along my way, along my journey as well. The shifts though, are, are about your mindset for preparation being different than your mindset for performance. So humble in preparation, arrogant in performance, focusing on work in preparation and play in performance, perfectionistic in preparation, adaptable in performance, 
analysis and preparation, instinct and performance, experimenting and preparation, and then trusting process as we talked about before in performance. Uncomfortable, we talked about, and uncomfortable in preparation, comfortable in performance, focusing on the future in preparation and the present in performance, fear in preparation, fearlessness in performance. And last but not least is selfish in preparation and selfless in performance. And so I would also say that they're about 30 or 40 of these that I have written down. And so for the book, we wanted to tease it down and, and suss it out to really be nine, but they are not the nine. So depending on what you do, you may say, Brian, for me, I don't need to be selfless in performance. Cool. Or I don't need to be selfish in preparation. Totally cool. Um, the real purpose of the book is to get people to think about how their mind for preparation is different than their mind for performance and then set their own shifts and figure out for themselves what works for them and what may not. That's interesting. I feel like according to you there, preparation is more rigid and play, there's more flow. It's an interesting way to think about it. I definitely think flow is a part of performance. I would put that into the play category, the ability right. to almost be an artist. I think you mentioned as a podcaster. Right, um, right. And, and so let's just talk about play in performance. Yeah, I mean, you play basketball. Yeah. You work basketball. No. And you can see it with great teams. When you were watching the Heat or the Lakers. like I mean, the Clippers playing. and the Lakers, was a that was like, you could see the difference. One was Clippers playing. Clippers were not and playing. One it, and one yeah. it looked like work, you know? Work. Yeah, they, yeah. They were in the bubble because they had to be there. Like, yeah. that, and I've talked to people like familiar with them and they say like, yeah, those guys did not want to be there. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of reports of that. I mean, that's right? pretty much common knowledge at this point, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I think, I think I, I don't work with them, so I don't know. Right. Right. Sure, but I, look, I think you watch it in the NCAA tournament every year. I remember Florida Gulf coast and dunk city and they're just, they're just, playing like alley-oops and balling and then you see those number one seeds or those number two seeds and and they're they're tight like this is work and so i absolutely believe that work ethic is imperative to get anywhere in life like you don't get anywhere by being lazy so 100%. work in preparation you have to put in the work and you have to let go of that work serious mindset and you have to play and play does not mean that you can't be intense it doesn't mean you don't take your job seriously per se but you are thinking about it as a flow, as an art, as an, as an ability to, you know, have some joy. And like, I looked at that heat team and I really thought that they were playing, you know, bam hero, uh, certainly Jimmy Butler and Jay Crowder. Like those guys were playing ball. It was almost like they were, you could have watched them, you know, at Rutgers and um, you know, playing on the blacktop in a city. And um, I think they would have showed up the same way. Those guys, like they were playing ball and if you study the heat and their culture, like they put the work in, there's no Definitely. question. And I think that was why there was tremendous alignment with the Jimmy Butlers, with the Jay Crowders of the world um, with Spolstra. And you could see it show. So look, the Lakers, obviously talents undeniable and, and that team. But the, to me, one of the big stories of the bubble was that it was the heat. It was watching them fulfill their potential and play at a level that anyone outside of the heat, nobody thought that they were capable of playing at that level. And I think that was pretty special to watch. Yeah. So when a player is developing through his, his or her career, I mean, it's important to have a balance between preparation and play, right? Cause if you're only preparing, you'll never know how to perform or, you know, if you're only lifting weights and only doing drills, I mean, you're not going to get better at actually playing the sport, but if you're playing the sport only, you're not going to get those skills and really focus in on, you know, the strength and conditioning and the details of 
improving as the actual basketball player with your skill set. Does that all make sense? Yeah, it's interesting because we'll just use basketball because you're you're a baller and yeah. I would imagine a lot of your audiences and yep. it's my favorite sport. So okay. uh, like I, I, I just love basketball. So I can, that's the sport that I probably go to most when I start to think about this stuff. I've worked with high school, like elite high school basketball players, elite college basketball players and elite professional basketball players. So I've, I've seen those different sandboxes. And one of the interesting things about sport and basketball in particular is in high school, it's really trying to instill in a lot of those athletes, the power of the preparation mind. Like they are trying to help those athletes learn these habits and elements of preparation. And then in college, it becomes almost mandatory. Like you have to do a baseline of preparation mind. And so in college, you start to see, hey, all right, cool. You're putting in the work. How do you shift into this performance mind? Because you've earned it and you've earned the right. Yeah. And then when you get to the NBA level, most of those guys, like the work is, you have to, like it's, it's just built into the program. It's built into the system and the process. You're not going to last if you don't. No. Yeah, so, yeah. so at that point, that's why you hear a lot of NBA guys say it's all mental. And what I, when I hear that, what I really think is like, yes, I put in the preparation. Now, how do I shift out of that into a different gear into my performance mind? And that's where you watch a lot of the elite of the elite. They have both the preparation mind at a really high level. And then they also have the performance mind at a really high level. And I've seen guys really struggle with cultivating that performance mind uh, once they get to that elite level. And that's why I think you hear those basketball players say it's all mental once I get to this level, because they know what they need to do to prepare. They have you know, the trainer, they've got the nutritionist, they, they've got the people helping them prepare, but the ability to step into the arena, step between the lines and then perform that really becomes between them and them there, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's that. And that piece to me is what we call the performance mind. Yeah. It's interesting. My very first podcast episode uh, I ever made over 200 episodes ago was five keys to reach your hoop dreams. And one of the keys was, was play your sport. Because there are kids out there that are just constantly drilling and not playing enough. So, and, and vice versa. So, you know. So, everyone loves to talk about generations and this generation, this, this generation. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But we can agree the, the dudes playing right now, you can see it in the bubble. They are more skilled than anyone in the oh, history yeah. of the game. There's, there's no debate anymore. Like, the skill is through the roof. And I think a lot of that has to do with those trainers. Like, they have cultivated their skill at such a high level. But you look at a Larry Bird or a Magic Johnson or a Michael Jordan, I think one of the benefits they had was they were just constantly playing. And so their performance mind was amazing. And so what I would suggest is that you blend both of those, like a great performance. And you see this in Donovan Mitchell or Dame Lillard or Giannis or LeBron or the, the greats. Um, you know, you, you saw Jamal Murray as a good example. Like he, he, he had this coming out party in the playoffs and you saw he's so skilled and you saw him now clicking on his performance mind. Like, Whoa, I can take over a game at this level. And you saw that happening in front of our eyes. And next year, Oh my gosh. Like I can't wait to watch and see what Jamal Murray does. My point is essentially this to me, if we can combine the skill development and that preparation mind and constantly getting it right and perfecting it and have that performance mind of knowing what it looks like when we're competing and performing, 
that's that's the holy grail. And I think someone like LeBron is a good example. No one's going to deny LeBron's gifts and his talents. Yeah. But you can see the evolution of LeBron, where early in his career, maybe he was afraid to shoot threes and he didn't have the belief in himself that he could make jumpers so he would attack the rim. And now you see him, he's putting the work on the preparation to become a, a solid shooter. And, yep. and now he also has realized, hey, people are going to judge me. Like when I went to Miami, I was the villain. You judge me, judge me, judge me. And now he's like, you know what? I need to play with some joy and I need to go out there and compete in a certain way. And I think you see that greatness occur, no doubt because he's six foot nine, 240 and the best yeah. athlete we've probably ever seen on a basketball court. And you see the culmination of his mindset develop in, in the preparation and performance mode. And it helps to play with Anthony Davis as well. But um, I think all of that goes into it. And so for me, I, I live in the potential world. And that's where I think if you can think about those guys in the eighties and early nineties, like I think they really cultivated a performance mind and it doesn't mean they didn't put in work. I mean, Larry Bird's work ethic was sick. You know, Michael's work ethic was sick. Uh, Magic put in the work. No question. The last thing I'll say, cause I've been going on a little bit of a, uh, I've been riffing a little bit here, but I think also the great ones leverage their preparation mind to your point earlier to give themselves permission to step into the performance mind. So they yeah. don't skip the steps. We do the work in preparation. So we earn the right to step into our performance mind. So I mentioned arrogance earlier, which a lot of people don't like that word. I understand why they don't like the word, but if you're playing against the best players in the world, you step between the lines, you need to believe and have this unshakable confidence in yourself that you are the greatest player in the world. And I think the way you get there is by a using humble preparation, getting feedback from all kinds of people and practicing what it's like to be one of the best performers in the world and stepping into that arrogance mind. So if done correctly, the preparation mind actually gives you permission and allows you to earn the right to step into your performance mind. Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned Larry Bird and he definitely prepared. I mean, but in terms of skill, but if he had the knowledge that he has today in terms of body training, I mean, he, he had one of the greatest peaks ever, like just his peak his longevity would have been longer as well if he had all that information and he would have done the work, which probably the information wasn't the same, you know? I He's one of the guys that I, I would love to see in today's NBA because yeah. he would be, I mean, I think the game today is actually set up for him. Um, yeah. His yeah. shooting, which has become... Like there are a lot of teams that just won't draft a guy if they can't shoot, right? Most systems are set up for shooting. And then what people forget about it is passing, which is also, people don't realize in the NBA, it's also become a passing game. Whereas, yeah. you know, 15 years ago, it's more about isolation. Can you break your guy down? You see a lot more of that in the playoffs, but I think what makes guys special today and LeBron has influenced it as well. Uh, analytics has also influenced it like the passing and Larry's passing was just through the roof. And then people forget he was like six, nine, like he was, he would be a perfect stretch four in, in today's NBA. And young um, Larry was an underrated athlete. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh. Playing above the rim a little bit, you know, he was getting up and down in transition. Freak. He's a freak. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right. So uh, is there anything about the book you'd like to share with my listeners that we haven't yet before we get out of here? Uh, tell me, tell me more about the book and where we could find it. Yeah. I mean, I poured my, my heart and soul into it and I'm somebody, when I do something, I, I go pretty all in for better, or for worse. And so spent the last four years writing it and hired a coach to help me with it. 
uh, hired a team of editors. We, we really wanted to make it as strong as it possibly can be. And the feedback so far has been pretty good. So it's been fun to get it out into the wild and, and see what people think. You can buy it anywhere books are sold, uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any local bookstore online. Most people are buying their stuff online right now because of COVID. You should be able to find it there. And then, you know, an exciting thing that should happen in the next two weeks is the audiobook should should drop nice. uh, in, in like early to mid November. So just recorded that, which was an interesting experience. So did you use your voice? I did. Oh, I wow. actually, yeah, yeah I, cool. I actually talked to an actor about doing it and having him record it. And I, I figured he would do it in a more professional manner, but I talked to a few people in the book industry and they just said, Brian, you've got a podcast, you've got the equipment, like people really would love to hear your voice. Uh, and so I did it myself and it, Talk about like using your, the shift your mind concepts. I prepared for it. I did all the work. And then uh, when I was reading it, I really tried to be in that performance mind. And then after I'd stopped recording, I'd go back and listen and really try to be perfectionistic again and be in the preparation mind. So writing the book, reading the book for the audio book, uh, they, I had to access the ideas of the book. I had to shift my mind in preparation and performance. And so it, it just sort of, echoed the idea that this framework is important and hopefully we can share it with as many people as possible. That's interesting. You probably became a better podcaster and speaker in the process, right? Of just putting in that work. I think so. I think one of the most painful things for anyone to do is to re-listen to something that they did. And I would imagine- I like it. I mean, maybe, maybe that goes to the arrogance that you were talking about. I like Maybe, but when you're pod. listening- when you're listening, I'm sure you listen and think, oh, I could have asked this question here. Yeah, I could have yeah, just definitely not said anything there. Or definitely. I, right. And so you play Monday morning quarterback. And I would imagine it's similar to watching film and breaking it down and sort of going, mm, that's not the way it should have turned out. And you have good games and bad games, just like, you know, Same but thing. you know, it's funny, even a bad game, a lot of listeners enjoy it. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I think it is important to step into that, right? It, it's important yeah. to listen and say, yeah, that, that was good there. Like, yeah, I, yeah. Because I can now do that more often. And that's where that analytical side of preparation is big. Like, you need to analyze, you need to have a detailed uh, examination of the structure and how you do something. And if you bring that analysis into a performance, it can really get turned into paralysis. So, yeah, I, I analyzed a lot. Um, there was a video that came out today that I spoke for 14 minutes on and I analyzed that and noticed the good things and the bad things. And I think that that's just a big piece of the puzzle. I, last thing I'll say is I recently heard Sean McVay, the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams interviewed, and he was talking about the Super Bowl and, and them losing the Super Bowl. And the person interviewing him said, yeah, you probably never watched it. He was like, no, of course I watched it. Like, it's a massive opportunity for me to grow and learn and develop. So yeah. there are things that I did in that game that were mistakes. And I think too often we say, Oh, just burn the tape, you know, just keep going forward. I think if you want to grow and you want to learn, you have to go back and you have to study it and, and think about, all right, where could I have done better? And I think it's important for people if they want to grow yet, yeah, you have to step into the mess. You have to reflect on the mess. You have to, you have to go into that discomfort as painful as it is. And trust me, there are interviews that I do. There are stuff that I speak on and I say, Oh, that, that I needed to be better. And I think it's important. So I think, too often we think that our leaders can't admit to making a mistake. And to me, the best leaders say, yeah, I screwed that up and here's what I'm going to do to get better. And that's the path to becoming great at anything. 
Most definitely. Brian, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you on social media? Twitter is the place I like to play most. So I'm at Brian Levinson. Uh, LinkedIn's another place that I like to place at Brian Levinson. And then Instagram, I have two accounts at Brian Levinson and then uh, intentional underscore performers is the podcast. So podcast called intentional performers done. You said, I think you've done 200 of these. I just hit my 200. Hey, mark. so nice. we, can, we can cheers each other on that front. Yeah, definitely. Congrats, man. Yeah. yeah, it's, 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 it's been quite a journey and it's not something that I envisioned when I set out to do it, but talk about learning and growing, man. I think the podcast medium is such an incredible place for us to learn and grow. And I think it's absolutely an unfair advantage for lifelong learners to gather more information and to better themselves. So thanks for having me on. Appreciate what you're doing. And, and one day maybe we'll, we'll get to chat in person as well. Most definitely. Most definitely. That would be great. Great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show, Brian. Talk soon. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you to everyone who listens to Combo's Court across the globe. And big shouts to Brian for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple podcast, Apple, wherever you listen to Combo's Court. Also, take a screenshot of this episode. Post it on your IG stories if you have Instagram. Tag me at 1-2-Combo. I'll repost it. Be on the lookout for episode two, 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 combo, combo out.